0: Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast, my broken hallelujah. I'm Missy Reed. Today we're finishing up episode four of this series of what trauma can do to you spiritually, mentally, physically, and now relationally. And finally, a podcast where I didn't feel completely convicted or in tears over, (laughs) this one i actually already knew a lot about i did do a little bit of research just to kind of back up what i felt like i already knew and i've been dealing with some of this since i was probably 25 the first time the lord called it i guess out in me you know it's um it's been a long long time so i've dealt with a lot of this. There are still some lingering effects of trauma in my relationships or even in my personality, but they've gotten a lot better over the years. And now I don't know if you can even really see them, so to speak. I usually catch them before anybody else does and I'll try to change it. And so it's, It's been a long process, but there are some things in here that I thought was pretty cool um, just based on, again, what I kind of went through. So when I did the little bit of research that I did on this, just simply because I've I've already known about it, there were a couple of things that kind of validated what I already knew and I just didn't search it out. But I think one of the most important things is that trauma actually affects us in the way that we interact with the real world. We become very untrusting. I don't even know if that's a word, but we just don't trust people, even people we love, even people that really have not given us any reason not to trust them. We are always looking for the other shoe to fall we're always looking to make sure constantly if we can trust them or not and that comes from really our world being shattered, especially in childhood and realizing that there's not anyone you can trust because while the people in charge of you may not have hurt you directly, and some of them did, you realize that you're kind of on your own. So you build up a wall and you watch everybody because you never know who's going to be the bad guy. And in my case, anyway, they came from different directions. And I never saw some of them coming and others I did, but that's a whole different podcast. Um, one of the other things that I found fascinating was they claim in some of the research, and it was more than one that we who have experienced trauma, especially childhood trauma, that we have a shame based response to people. And if we feel like we're being rejected in any way, even for not really, it makes us angry. It makes it easy for us to cut people off. Um, you know, we put up that wall. We will always hide a part of ourselves from people. We cannot take any kind of criticism, even constructive. And we'll view that as someone rejecting us. Even though it's really not, sometimes you need corrective criticism, but we won't look at it like that. We will honestly look at it as they are rejecting me. They found something wrong with me. Fine. I don't want them in my life anyway. And there will be a wall, even on jobs. I know I've had jobs where people have criticized me. Not so constructively and also constructively. And if I'm being honest, I was more mad at the people who cons- did the constructive criticism because I felt like they were trying to manipulate me, giving me one thing I did good and here's a thing, maybe you could try and do it better. When really their way was probably right, but I was more angry at them and I. Pushed myself back from them more than actually the people who were just jerks. <laughs> I knew how to handle jerks. I, I walked in that and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, one of the other things that I found, which I also knew of, was that you will choose partners that will on some level... Reject you. They'll either cheat on you, be abusive, disrespectful, just rejection. And you'll choose that because subconsciously and emotionally, you know how to operate in that world. So if your spouse rejects you or cheats on you, because you never trusted them fully anyway, and you were always expecting it or some kind of disrespect or abuse or just something, you're not really caught off guard by it. You always figured it was coming because somehow in you, you know, you married somebody who was going to make you work for it and who was going to reject you on some level, because that's the world you understand emotionally. That's why a lot of trauma victims have a problem with Jesus, have a problem with God just loving them. There's nothing we have to do, and he never rejects us. Doesn't mean he doesn't correct us, but he never rejects rejects us, and we honestly don't even know what to do with that. It's a foreign concept to people that have suffered trauma like myself and to just have a loving God saying, no, I love you. I don't reject you. Now there may be parts of you that we need to work on. There may be things that you need healed from, but I love you. You have to do nothing to earn my love. That's a hard one. That's probably one of the ones that I still struggle with, that I don't have to perform or do something for him to love me. He just loves me. And it still blows my mind. Some of the other things I, I did find that I thought was pretty cool was insecure attachments is what they're called. And some of these attachments, you will attach yourself to people Out of anxiousness, some of the things that they say that you have a fear of being abandoned and you need constant reassuring. That's not me. Um, I didn't really need constant and still don't constant reassuring. I just, I don't, that's just not something I need. In fact, I find that annoying. (laughs) If someone's constantly reassuring me, I'm just like, okay, enough. It's okay, just shh, I got it. And I'm pretty sure I've hurt people's feelings before by telling them that they didn't uh, need to constantly do that, but it wasn't intentional. I just don't need that. So one of the other things that I found was dismissive avoidant. says the fear of emotional intimacy, just emotionally unavailable. I have been this... And I have been with people who were like this. So for me, I typically would choose somebody, date-wise, boyfriend, ex-husband, all of the things. Even my husband now on some level, he carried his own baggage coming into the marriage. So did I. It is by the grace of God and I'm sure tons of, heavenly intervention, because we were pretty different and independent when we got together. One day I'll have him on the podcast and we'll talk about how it's truly a miracle. But anyway, I have been with people and even myself who just are emotionally unavailable. And like I said before, those are the people that I understand how to deal with because that's how my real father was he was emotionally unavailable I was his only child and he loved me very much but he was not ever going to be emotionally available to me he was never going to be the type of father that was going to pick you up and hold you and love on you and tell you that he loved you and you were daddy's little girl and you were all these things that's not what he did he probably did that in my infancy I mean who doesn't do that in the infancy but that's not what I was ever going to get from him so I understood how to work and operate in that field I understood how to be with somebody And that walked in that, that was emotionally unavailable because I knew it from my dad. One of the other things that it was a fearful, um, avoidment and it's, you crave attention and love, but avoid giving it in return. I don't know if I've ever had that kind of attachment or avoidance. I mean, we've all been in relationships where we've done that, but i'm I'm not sure that that was trauma or if that was just I just was unavailable. I just didn't care to be with that person anymore. So that one didn't I don't really I can't really speak of, but on the one choosing people to be in relationships, even friendships, it doesn't even have to be a partner or a husband or wife. it could be friends that are always just kind of the jerk and always makes you feel like you have to work for their attention. And then when you get it, you're, you know, on cloud nine, not to be weird in your friendships, but it's definitely a thing I understand. It's really, really hard to explain (laughs) if you don't carry or used to walk in that spirit of rejection like I did. And when God called me out on it, he really nailed me to the wall on that one. And even used a phrase that I would tell myself. And I've mentioned this before. My whole attitude was screw them before they could screw you. And that's the truth. That's how I walked. If, I felt like you were rejecting me on every, or any level, I should say. I didn't want any part of you. I could turn it on and off like a light switch. And that was just my life. And while later it may hurt and I'd have to deal with it, there was a lot of times that I was able to stuff that down. I didn't have to feel anything anymore if I felt rejection, which is kind of strange because I always wanted my real dad to acknowledge me. And I never did that to my real dad until right before he passed away. And we hadn't talked in a couple of years when he died because I'd finally reached the point to where I was just done being rejected by him and being judged by him It was a whole long story, and there's a lot more that goes into it. But we just could never repair a relationship, and I just wasn't willing to constantly have to work for some type of attention anymore. But moving on, one of the other things that I absolutely understood was that you will form relationships on your trauma reenactment. So what that means is you will find a relationship that will mimic or reinforce what you learned as a child, even if it's painful. You will find someone who will abuse you on some level. You will find someone who will reject you on some level. I never chose anyone that physically was abusive to me, but I've had plenty of people boyfriends through the years, even friends that mistreated me. And it's really hard because I don't even know if you recognize it all at the time, but I'm sure there are relationships you can look back on that they were some type of person that connected you to what you were familiar with. I just happened to be raised to be very strong, even though I had all this other stuff going on. I never have been with anyone that, again, physically abused me. If you have, I'm not saying that you aren't strong. I'm just saying that those type of people I never took up with. And it's hard. It's hard when you walk in that trauma, in that mentality. It's almost like you're stuck in this victim mentality that you don't even realize it. And then when you do, you don't know how to get out of it. And then you get busy and you make yourself think of something else, but it will always lead to A victimhood of some sort, and it will even be your own doing a lot of the times in our grown-up relationships because you simply are choosing the people that do to you what you're familiar with. So even if you didn't have the sexual, the physical abuse in your childhood, but you had a parent that rejected you, you're still going to to operate in this, you're still going to walk in that because that is traumatic in itself. When you don't know what you did, but for some reason, your mother or father doesn't want you. And it really never has anything to do with the child. It's always something else with them. But as a child, you don't know that. And you take on this trauma, this rejection, this persona of not being wanted because that's how they make you feel and so later in life how you interact with the world is going to be based on all of that there are people who can't hold down a job because they can't break out of that victim mentality so when somebody comes to offer them some type of constructive criticism they can't handle it and they just leave Or if they even get criticized, they'll leave. Me, again, I know or felt I knew how to handle people being a jerk straight to my face. (laughs) That I understood. And I could be a jerk right back. It doesn't make it right. I just knew I could do that. But it was the people who were doing emotional rejection or even trying to be emotionally available to me that I didn't know how to handle. That victim mentality will play the biggest role in your relationships with your partners and with your children. A lot of women will choose men who will cheat on them, be abusive, and who will be emotionally unavailable. And a lot of men will choose women that they can be emotionally unavailable with or abusive because of whatever trauma they experienced in their childhood. And they will, all of us, become stunted. (laughs) I think, that's my own personal opinion, that we lose our ability to express how we feel the right way to have empathy or sympathy, to um, have any kind of accountability and to be able to hold our tongue until we're either calmed down or fully assess the situation. And usually by doing all of that, you now are causing hurt to other people. I know for me, when I would get in arguments with my ex husband and I would go for the jugular, I would only take and could only take arguing for so long before the rage would build up and I would lash out and try and would succeed in hurting him. Because of that's all I knew how to do see that victim constantly playing over and over and over in my head. And then the rejection coming in from my biological father and just all this stuff of thinking, no, no one is ever going to abuse me again in any way, shape or form. I don't have to take it from anybody. And really that's just the rejection coming through now, by the time I married my husband, now I had already dealt with a lot of it. And that does not to say that we didn't have our own fair share of problems and me still arguing in the most incorrect way and hurtful way because I did, but not like I had done before. Again, if I felt like you were rejecting me, even if you weren't, I was done with you and I would be cruel. And then five minutes later, I was over it and I didn't understand why everybody else wasn't over it. I couldn't understand why you were still hurt. Like you said things to me, what's the big deal? Can I just tell you that's not healthy? (laughs) That's not healthy. There are ways to have disagreements and arguments even that is healthy and they're different for everybody and so you know I encourage you to if you're having problems in your marriage if you are the one who is constantly throwing out the daggers if you're the one constantly throwing out insults and going for the jugular and trying to hurt them because you're just in that frame of mind when you're arguing, then I would again suggest you find counseling. I would suggest you go to marriage counseling. Learn a different way. Be able to ask for forgiveness, and it will be hard. And for those of us, even now I struggle with empathy. I've gotten a lot better. The Lord has done a lot for me, but I'm the type of person who... (laughs) for better or worse is okay, we're here. You know, we feel bad for this long. Now we're going to stand up, dust ourselves off and carry on. And sometimes people need a little bit longer. They don't need to be up in five minutes like I think you should. But in my childhood, I had to get up and move on. I had to continue because I never knew who was coming next or what was coming next. And the only way I knew it function was you get up, you dust yourself off and you brace yourself for the next thing. That's not good either. I'm learning. I'm learning. I probably still have a way to go on that one, but I am learning. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I think walking in a victim mentality and, rejection are probably two of the hardest things you really have to get over because then you really have to start praying and asking God to show you, to show you where that's coming from, to show you how to change and how to be corrected. And you're going to have to relearn some things and you're going to have to let go of some things and you're going to have to be willing to be hurt and that's hard because you you carry so much pain already. But to be able to heal, you're going to have to change. I'd be willing to bet that most of you have even relationships within your own family that are at odds with each other because of trauma that's either affected the whole family, it's a generational curse thing, or it affected you and you have treated others this way or it affected them and they treated you this way it's all possible to heal but it will take time we have to change first and then we have to pray and ask the Lord to heal and change others before families can come back together before marriages can be truly healed and I'm not saying I'm to get a divorce. I'm actually saying the opposite. If you're not living in a situation where you're being abused or something like that, I'm saying stay and work on it. I'm saying stay and work on your trauma to break the victim mentality, to no longer walk in rejection to no longer make someone feel your pain because you're so enraged that you don't know what to do with it. It's hard because it's going to have to start with you. It's going to take probably getting on your knees and asking God to change you, to show you. And it's going to take some work. It's not going to happen overnight. There are things that you will have to change, that you've walked in, thought in, and everything for as long as you can remember. But I promise you, if you start asking the Lord to show you where you need to change, where you need healing, where you need to sit with Him and deal with some things, He will. And ask Him. Lord, do you need me to go see a counselor on this? Or is this something that you and I can deal with ourselves? If you've already dealt with your trauma and you're now, no one's ever told you, you need to change the way you think. You need to change the way that you operate to be able to heal some relationships, to be able to change the way you walk in this world. Ask him. He'll tell you. I can tell you. Now, after I've done the years of work, I have more joy in my life and I walk through this world with different eyes. I still am a watcher of people, but I enjoy meeting new people. I love hearing their stories. I can find joy in a lot of things and have a lot of fun in a different situation. And I didn't have that before. I always carried this heaviness and just this, I don't even know what darkness. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I was never allowed to relax. Relax. In my own mind, I couldn't relax. I was constantly watching everybody in the room or everybody in the store or whatever. And I was constantly angry. That's another thing that people that carry trauma were constantly angry. And in my own life, I come from a generation of angry women, which on top of the abuse is not good. But I can tell you that I'm no longer that person. I no longer carry that anger, that resentment, even that hatred just towards the world because I was so changed after all these things happened to me. And I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that when you listen to this podcast and you say, you know what, that's me. I do exactly the things that she did. And I want freedom. I don't want to walk and I don't in this, I don't want to carry it anymore. Know that God is not a respecter of any persons. He doesn't have a favorite. He's not gonna do more for me than he did or will for you. But it will take change. So when I was praying and asking and kind of researching the scriptures on what scripture he would want me to. In the podcast with, like I do every podcast, the scripture that I found that I felt was perfect was Psalms 5110, and it's the King James Version translation. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And when you first read this scripture, it may not stick out to you anything special about it. It's a scripture you could pray every day for whatever reason. But when you get into it and you start looking at it and you break it down, I find it amazing. So create in me a clean heart, O God. Clean in this scripture means pure. A physical, chemical, ceremonial, or moral sense of pureness. Create in me such a pureness. That's what they're asking in the Psalms. Create in me a clean, a pure heart. Clean me physically, chemically, morally. Cleanse me, Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. And renew is of course rebuild, says kind of what it means. For the right spirit, right means to fasten be fitted, be fixed, whether literal or figuratively or both. And then the spirit in this is the mind, the breath. So in the spirit, you're saying, Lord, within me, renew my spirit, renew my mind, make right, rebuild, renew a clean, pure heart. Cleanse me completely. Create in me pureness. Wash it clean by the blood of the Lamb. I think this scripture is very important and you should take it and meditate on it. Study it out. Break it down. Just read it and continue to go over what these words truly mean in this scripture. Because once it gets inside of you, it becomes something so beautiful and something that you want so bad that you're willing to lay it all down. You're willing to say, I no longer want to carry this as a form of protection. I don't want to walk in this kind of trauma anymore. I want freedom. I want what you have for me. And be prepared to die to the flesh. You know, I think sometimes, I know for myself, I've prayed a prayer several times and think that God's going to do all the work. But you will have to absolutely die to the flesh. I naturally am a sarcastic person, or I used to be, I mean, I still am, but in a funny way, I don't know, (laughs) but I used to not be funny. So if you came at me, you always got it right back on you, or you would get some kind of passive aggressive statement telling you exactly what I thought of you. The Lord will ask you to lay that down the Lord will start doing such a deep work in you that you'll find yourself praying to be more like Him, to not respond in the way that you used to, that you're so healed that you'll never want to go back to who you used to be. I know for me, that's how I am. I don't want to be who I used to be. I want to be more like Him every day. I pray when people see me, they see him. And why we can never be perfect, and we will absolutely slip at times, slow drivers and the fast lanes still get the better of me. <laughs> but I'm trying. I think a lot of times we hold ourselves and other Christians to a standard of perfection that nobody can reach. Only Jesus was perfect. Doesn't mean we don't try to be more and more like Jesus, but there is grace. There is grace. We need to have grace for ourselves. Jesus gave us that. The Lord gives us grace. We need to have grace with other people. They will disappoint you. You will disappoint yourself. But you can always go back to the Lord and reset. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think, that's me, Lord. I have all of that and I need you to change me. Understand you're going to have to also give others some grace too, especially if they are the ones that you have hurt or your family dynamic is just all based on trauma and all sorts of other things. You will have to probably set some boundaries, not only for yourself, but for others, which will be very hard because most people won't understand that. And that's okay. As long as you are operating from a place of love and it's not out of hurt or hatred or even rejection, It's a place of healing for everyone. I know in my own life, I've had to take steps back from people that they're still operating in some things and I'm not trying to engage in that. I absolutely pray for them every day and I hope and I know that God will do a miracle in their lives. But I didn't do it out of Meanness. I did it because I knew it needed to be done. So, this whole podcast has just been about if you have been dealing with some of this stuff in your own family life, in your marriage, in your friendships, even in employment, it could be that you still need some healing, or you need to start your healing in how you view the world and how to really get rid of victim mentality. That's not to say you weren't a victim, but you'll no longer need to carry that, and you will find yourself no longer being calloused. And I don't know about anybody else, but when you become innately aware of your calloused heart. You just don't want that anymore. So with that being said, let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for everyone listening to this podcast. Lord, that you would begin to show them. If they say, that's me, I have all of that. I've had relationships like that. I'm in one like that. I need help. I know that I operate in this, or this podcast has shown me that I walk in rejection or victim mentality because I was a victim. But Lord, I want to change. And I ask that you show them, Lord, show them where to begin their walk to healing, to freedom to changing the way that they think, the way that they see others. And even, Lord, I ask that you show them where to set healthy boundaries with people. And, Lord, as I finish this four-part series, Lord, I ask just for a cleansing of their mind, a healing of their soul, Lord, that they would dig into the Word and find the scriptures that you have for them, that right now, even for myself, Lord, you put a supernatural hunger for the word of God and your presence in all of us. And I speak peace to them, peace to their mind, Lord, peace to their heart, that the peace of God transcends all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. If you ever need any prayer or anything, feel free to reach out. Of course, I'm always praying for you. I love you. And we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.